So do we do we have any Check. um like cops music we we could play or something? Like yeah, I'm trying to think of music for like suspects. No, I was gonna play some detective like boom boom whiny. Yeah. <laughs> I've got so much. Anyway, I, aren't we talking about Game of Thrones? I didn't know we started. I thought we were just waiting for Eric to oh. quote. I got, oh, okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Go for it. It was about 11 o'clock in the morning. Louder. Mid-October, with the sun not shining and a look of hard, wet rain on the clearness of the foothills. I was wearing my powdered blue suit with a dark blue shirt, tie, and display handkerchief. Black brogues, black wool socks with dark blue clocks on them. I was neat, clean, shaved, and sober, and I didn't care who knew it. I was everything the well-dressed private detective ought to be. I was calling on four million dollars. And that's how episode three of season four will open this Is Sunday. It? I think so, right? Isn't he reading from the script? How did you get access to the script so early, Eric? That's what I want to know. Hodor. <laughs> <laughs> and and what character will be in a blue suit? Hodor. Oh, oh. That, that'll be interesting. Character. Powder blue. Powder blue. Don't forget, powder blue. Powder blue. What if it's Podrick in a powder blue shirt, uh, suit? He's going to go visit Tyrion. I have a feeling he won't be wearing that powder blue suit for very long, you know, Pod. <laughs> I was going to say, if he is, uh, if he's wearing a powder blue suit, chances are he's not going to Tyrion. He's going somewhere else in King's Landing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so lost. <laughs> but the... Opening passage there that was just read was, uh, of course, from The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler, one of the best detective novels, considered groundbreaking, considered um, to be genre-defining. You've caught us at an interesting time on Game of Owns. Right now, we're in the middle of a questionable situation. And when I say that, I mean something big just happened on Monday. We're all falling down from it. We're all like, okay, the ending has washed over all of us. The resolution that Joffrey has passed has washed over us. Now we're left considering who did it, how it happened, blah, blah, blah. But things have happened in the show before. I'm curious as to why now is it such a mystery that people want to get to the bottom of? And also, why now is this small spoiler something people feel so open about spoiling? I see news places posting about it ahead of time and i see a lot of people you know tweeting the answer to us or sending it to us in a facebook message kind of hidden under this is my idea but here are all the facts that prove it true or, or talking about it on a podcast right last week or earlier this week i should say and, and let me just clarify something because i did read some comments and you know i'm not trying at all to lead mm. either of you in any direction whatsoever but what i was really pointing out and, and i didn't get a chance to go through it was who I really felt the show did a job, a good job of making seem to be the culprit. Now that doesn't mean that who the culprit is. And, and certainly, you know, I'm aware of who it is, but I'm just speaking my mind. I think that there are definitely other suspects and we're certainly going to talk about them and what their motivation would be. But I, I really liked what Eric had to say on Monday's episode about Cersei. And I even noticed that our good friend Oz, who was on just before the, uh, the season started, right? Um, right. He he came to the same conclusion. Um, yeah. You know, being an unsullied, thinking that Cersei was definitely somebody who would have motive uh, to kill her own son. One one of the the great things about having a Friday episode as well is some of our thoughts can be, um, you know, a little quick to be closed on on Monday, but but there are additional reasons or things that we you know think of later that are like, oh yeah, that 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 would that would that would be really really cool to, to say on the show. Um, regarding Cersei, like, I guess I didn't really give a reason why I thought it was her other than her shifty eyes. Um, and I'm glad that 
Oz uh, also felt the same. But a lot of Unsullied did, Eric. Really, they did. Yeah. Well, if you're talking about um, how Cersei kind of retains her power, um, Tommen, even though they recasted him, and, and we got some comments about that about him being older, um, if he is not yet of age to marry, she gets to re- remain queen regent for quite some time, uh, assuming that he is now going to be the king. So that would be a way of Cersei retaining power as opposed to being uh, whatever um, she she is sort of now, which is she's out of the picture um, because Marjorie is the Yeah, and, and I thought there was a, a great setup to that in the scene with Oberyn Martell and, and Tywin and Cersei, right? Yeah, Because definitely. he makes a point of telling her, oh, I guess that's former queen regent. So <laughs> it, it sets in people's mind you know, very subtly – that she has a clear motive for wanting to have her son. And again, it's hard for me to sit here and and argue it because I do think at the end of the day, and we've seen it throughout the, the last couple of seasons that she cares very much for her children. And she says as much to Ned Stark and to other characters that her children come first. And that whole uh, scene with Sansa talking about, you know, loving your children more than your husband. You know, they're they're the one thing that you value above anything uh, in this life. And so, for me to kind of sit back and 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 argue this point is a little bit difficult. But I do think she had some some reason behind wanting him dead. Is it as strong as others? I don't know. To be fair, for the Sullys listening, this is the show, and we can assume that they're going to follow the book on something as major as this. But there may be changes to it. So everything that. Is known ahead of time may not be certainly applicable because, as you know, the show kind of changes things that happens. But I, like I said, I doubt that it's going to differentiate from the book. Oh, yeah. I don't think they'll change it. But the idea that they and, – and again, having not read, I couldn't say whether or not it was this um, this many possibilities, this many suspects, possible suspects as we have on the show. You know, I couldn't say. Right. Um, but I know in the show, again, you know, going back to Cersei, and I, I really don't think that she was the one who did it, but I thought it was certainly possible based on sort of just my intuition on on watching the episode, like what they were asking us to consider a possibility. Recently, I mean, she's been to see Tyrion a couple times, and this is maybe the end of last season even, and, and she said things like, uh, what was that line like? They they always tell you that uh, the terrible kids are the terrible babies, but Joffrey was was totally not. He was totally quiet and peaceful. And she talked. She like was talking to Tyrion about that, and it just seems like it was you know perhaps put there to build towards this moment, uh, as yeah. if she's becoming disenfranchised or just dis, dis, dis uh, disenchanted with with Joffrey. And and the look on the Lannisters' faces as he continues or sort of at the at the wedding with the five kings skit and everything all of the lannisters were embarrassed and and, and disgraced in a way and and that's not saying that that's enough to kill him but really again in that scene going back to the brilliance of the second episode mm-hmm. uh of season 4 everyone in that room was was given even more of a reason to want him dead in the very last moment well, and i think that's why it worked so well at the end of that episode because you could see the level of disgust right on on everybody's face and there were very few people maybe some who were kind of feigning a bit of um happiness to appease joffrey but by and large there wasn't anybody who was sitting up there that was really content with what was going on uh, but i did wanted to go back for a second to oz's article because 
he brought up something, Eric, I think you brought up on Monday's episode, which was going uh, back to season two, that Cersei does in fact have Grandmeister Pycelle put together some sort of potion or, or poison that she was prepared to take, as well as Tommen, uh, if Stannis was able to breach the walls. And there is that scene with Grandmeister Pycelle in this particular episode where she tells him to go away. So does she tell him to go away so that he doesn't notice immediately the effects of the poison that he could have recalled giving to her all that time ago? Mm. I, th- I thought it was some really great detective work on, on Oz's part to kind of pick up you know, pick apart things like that. That's interesting. That that scene could have also been a double-edged sword for, for inserting into the end of the Blackwater episode, if I will. It also kind of leans a little bit toward what's happening now. Right. And and why tell him to, you know, tell the food, the, 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 the kitchens to send the food to the kennels if she... Oh, no. He, oh, you're making me so suspicious. She, she, she was, it sounds as if she was planning this out knowing full well that Marjorie wouldn't be in a position to really care where the food went at the end of the day. So again, I just want to commend him on that article because I, I, there was other points that he raised that I thought were really good and really well thought through. And, and so she's definitely a suspect. Sending the Meister away. That's a, that's a good one. That's, that is a good one. Um, of course the vial, the specific vial that she had, um, for herself and her kids was smashed when she saw Tywin come in. Um, she threw it to the ground immediately. Uh, Good point. Good the point. Room. But uh, certainly, I mean, a Meister, the doctor, the, the guy who could recognize uh, perhaps specifically what poison it was that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that he was sent away is, is, is a good call. So Cersei is, is, of course, but one of the several suspects. I know one, one thing I didn't even uh, necessarily catch I, I commented on how uh, Sir Mace Tyrell um, had a really cool wedding gift. It was like a goblet or a chalice, <laughs> but some people are saying, "Hey, hint, hint, nudge, nudge." Um, mm. Joffrey chokes when he drinks the ever quiet mace. Um, right. So we're wondering if that was. Uh, well, or some people are wondering. My if that question was... on that would be: Is we don't really know him very well at all yet uh he's he was just in fact introduced in this episode so what would be his motive for wanting joffrey dead he really has had very little interaction with him and screen time to this point it could just be porting uh it could just be pointing towards his family though because uh marjorie and lady elena separately and together uh both have uh many reasons or at least it would seem like they would have many reasons. Even though it's for Marjorie, it's a fall from power. Something again about next episode preview that happened where um, Lady Olenna is talking with Marjorie. It's a very brief scene where she just says, um, but I was going to be the queen. She's like, there's something better. Um, totally leads me to believe that the Tyrells could have been in on it. I had a feeling that this episode would be predominantly uh, consisted of us trying to figure out what happened exactly with the king because it really is a mystery. I'm thinking of... When Cersei was talking to Jamie and she was mentioning the new maester that she's hanging out with, like, oh, he takes care of my business there. I mean, that's something that we didn't consider that he could have been helping her with it on the side as well. Oh, yeah. If she's got a new maester, he can make a drug for her. Hey, I'm glad you mentioned Jamie and Cersei, though, because I wonder if the death of Joffrey will bring them closer. Um, of course, Joffrey being both of their son, 
Um, you know, Cersei and, and Jamie have kind of been off, you know, last last episode or so. Uh, since he got back, you know, she no longer really is 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 that into him as it would seem. The better question with that though is, yes, will it bring them closer together, or will it drive them further apart? Because remember, she points the finger at Tyrion, and we know that Jamie's relationship with Tyrion is much stronger than Cersei's uh, relationship, mm. and so I wonder if brother and sister will be forced to take sides. Mm. <laughs> I know what side Tywin's going to take. <laughs> or at least yes. I think I do. That's probably um, a fair guess to think that Tywin would side with Cersei for the most part. I mean, he's a rational man mm. and clearly somebody has poisoned his grandson. You know, just to continue the discussion about the Tyrells, it's, it's funny to me though that what what would they gain by killing Joffrey? Really only eliminating a person who they know to be just a really evil individual. And he he showed in those last five or ten minutes exactly why nobody likes him, right? It's weird, though, because we have the mention of the Iron Bank from Elena, so I feel like her, her mind is elsewhere, which is a bad thing for the Lannisters because if she's not focused on the fact that Marjorie is about to be made queen and that's great because there's some power there because she's going to be the one beside Joffrey when he's making all these decisions if that's not their thought then they may not care as much about her being the queen so for me I'm thinking about what do they have to gain? And really all they have to lose is Marjorie being the queen. Yeah, but she's already made a name for herself in the capital. Everybody knows she's a stand-up gal. So I wonder, though, man, that that you're right, though, that line from Elena about the bank, you know, just shows that she wasn't completely focused on the wedding. Or, I mean, she was, but she's at the same time, it just feels like because there's a line. I noticed it during my season three rewatch about the Iron Bank of Bravos and how basically when they, in order to call on their debt, like if you don't pay them back, it's not that they're going to like come after you. They'll just fund your enemies is is what is said. Um, they'll they'll give money to the armies that want to destroy you in order to 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 get either get their money or get their retribution. So that's a big deal if you consider the Tyrells as being still opposed to the Lannisters, um, even though their families have just joined briefly. See, that's what I mean. Like we have to think about whether or not the Tyrells are focused on what's happening now or what could strategically happen after this happened. That's if they were behind it. They're just as likely or unlikely as the rest of them, though. Yeah, exactly, and and that's what makes it such a great mystery. You know? And and I did point out on our last episode, I, I felt that the show at times did point to her being the one responsible, but at the same time, I feel like when shows do that, it's usually not that person. And so mm-hmm. um, there were a lot of scenes, a lot of stares, if you go back and you watch the episode, especially between her and Tyrion, when you know, Joffrey commands him to do different things. You can see the distaste and the level of disapproval that is kind of pouring over her face. And there is an, an actual scene in, in, inside, uh, Baylor, right? Where, um, they're, they're being married and th- there's a, a line from the priest where it says, cursed be he. And and I forget the rest of it, but basically it's like speak now, forever hold your peace, kind of thing. Right. And it 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 zooms in on the Queen of Thorns, and so I thought, you know, you know, maybe they're trying to tell us something here. Maybe they're not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you know, it's 
it's one of those things that you take a little bit of creative license with if you're responsible for the episode. But I'm sure you can go back and look at different things. We just spent, what, 10 minutes talking about Cersei <laughs> and what her motives are and different and things that smart. could work in, in her favor. Yeah, exactly, as being the one responsible. I think we should be talking about Sansa. We should be talking about um, the Red Viper who in the very first episode they made a point of showcasing that the Lannisters aren't the only ones who pay their debts, right? So yeah. is this a form of payment? I think that he's one of the standout suspects just because that's how the show has set him up. But his his level of visibility in the wedding has brought him down on a lot of people's radars. Right. As far as what I've seen socially, I haven't seen a lot of people thinking about the Red Viper in this situation. Which just means he's planning something else. <laughs> like Unless he get, did it. To, well, yeah, either he did it or he's 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 still without his revenge. So the Lannisters should still watch out. I think you you have to narrow it down, though, to people who were on the dais, right? I think I don't so. think that anybody who who was you know in the crowd, although I've seen people speculate about Brienne being involved in it, too, when she walks up. So interesting. It's it's very interesting to see people's theories, but to me, it had to be somebody who had access to the cup and was, and was able to do it in a very short period of time because that cup was it, – it's, it's a risk in and of itself because how do you know that Joffrey is going to drink from it? You know, is it, is it his cup? You know, like what if somebody just decided to come by and take a swig? They would have saved Joffrey's life without even knowing it. Right. I mean, what it amounts to, we talked about this a little bit on Monday, is there's just too many variables for somebody behind the scenes to have done it. Um, because you, you have no idea that it's going to get set in front of him or taken to him by Tyrion. Or that that was going to even happen. The whole mix up with Tyrion and the drink and... You know, it's exactly just, yeah. because he because Tyrion grabs wine from in front of Cersei and in front of the Lady uh, Elena, and but both of them it's like untouched, sealed, like corked, you know, wine. Yeah, um, the poison has to be in the cup, not in the wine, because if it's in the wine, then anybody could have drank from it. Well, it seemed like maybe nobody drank from that wine. How do you put poison in a cup if it's not like already? Is it a liquid poison? Is it a powder poison? It could be either. I mean, well, what about when he kicks the cup and Sansa lifts the cup and hands it to Tyrion, kind of helping him out? I'm your wife. This is a, a touching uh, moment between us in such a stressful situation. I mean, are we forgetting that she got evacuated immediately when it happened? I mean, she did seem like she didn't have a feeling that her fool was going to come rescue her in that moment, but she did ha handle the cup and she was evacuated. So, yeah. It's just absolutely. We have I mean, to really that, consider whether or not. I know we weren't in her head much in that episode, but Sansa may have been the one to do man. it. Man, she's Could not Arya though. She's not Arya. <laughs> Arya would have done she? that. Arya, no. Arya definitely no. Arya wouldn't have done that. Arya would have stabbed him right through the chest. <laughs> yeah, she would have hopped out of the cake and stabbed him with needles. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but oh, Zach, man. that brings up a great point because clearly, Ser Dantos has some level of involvement here. Whoever is. You know, orchestrating this, whoever is responsible, he was in the know because he shows up right away to take her away. Or he was just close by because he was dancing in the wedding earlier. He could have just saw it and been like, shit, this is the moment we have to go. Uh, that's true. Although yeah. it does seem orchestrated the way Mike has said it. I mean, you're right. It does seem that way, but a lot of things have seemed certain ways. In this <laughs> yeah, episode. yeah. And when we do have the exchange between Brienne and Cersei, and we do have the exchange when Brienne actually walks up to Joffrey and Marjorie herself and starts to have those words. I mean, there are so many different variables, and the people that are all involved all seem unlikely 
just because of their personalities that we've been given. Like, does the Queen of Thorns necessarily seem like a vindictive person that's going to poison the king? Like, she would even, okay, I'm going to poison the king. I'm sitting right by him. I'm just going to kill him. I just, I don't know. And, and that applies to everyone, I think. Yeah. Well, they, they they did sit Sansa down at the beginning of last season and say, you know, what's the truth? And she's like, he's a monster. Like, they then knew if it was them, that was probably when the plan first got hatched is when they're like, okay, we're going to get ourselves out of this. If we're saying that Sansa escaping has something to do, like, if that was part of the plan with Joffrey's death, then I guess that we're assuming that Olena and Marjorie, or at least just Olena, cared enough about Sansa to free her. Like, also, it just seems like a lot of work for a person that's not necessarily involved with you. These yeah. people are nice and, and blah, 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 but we've 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 grown to learn that everyone is vindictive. And if murder's involved, I just don't think that she was just helping Sansa out because it worked no, then. Th- that, that, I think that's a great point. Um, but I, the other side of it is that I think things worked out extremely well for whoever planned this because there's no guarantee – that Joffrey was going to tell Tyrion to be his cupbearer. So you immediately are, are putting a lot of um, the blame on suspicion, yeah, and blame on Tyrion. And there's no way to know that that was what was going to happen and it was going to work out that way. It's just it's impossible. It just things worked in whoever planned this. It wor- they worked in their favor and. Mm-hmm. For for Sansa, the the reason why it's very important for her to leave is because she is his wife, and they it's very well known that she cares not for Joffrey whatsoever. So perhaps it would be seen as being a plan that was hatched by both of them, and that puts her in even more danger. Well, this is something that I wanted to talk about for sure, uh, which is kind of moving forward what the Lannisters' game plan is going to be, and I think that the. You know, when I when I asked if it would bring Cersei and Jaime together or closer together, I meant, of course, romantically. But in terms of the whole Lannister family, I think that they're going to really, uh, with the exception of Tyrion, of course, who's who's been blamed for this, they're going to tighten up and they're going to start killing people or kicking people out of their immediate circle. Like Sansa, no for one instance, leaves the capital. Yeah, well, no, I think they'll kick people out of the capital. Like Sansa would would either be put to death. Or, you know, moved somewhere because she, again, has so many obvious reasons to want to kill Joffrey or attack or be against the Lannisters. I think, you know, if she is a spare, you know, kind of person they don't really need, they could probably put her to death just as a precaution at this point. Um, Whether or not they'd actually do that because she's a Stark, who knows? I mean, depends on if they think she's still leveraged somewhere. But... You know what I'm saying? Like I think mm-hmm. all of the all of the people who had reason to hate Joffrey are now gonna, if they're smart, gonna have to go into hiding as well. Right. Um, but the other the other thing about Sansa though now is this puts a lot of suspicion onto her as well because if she's on the run from King's Landing, let's assume, right? Mm-hmm. That leads a lot of people to think that she had something to do with this. Well, if she's pieced out, then who cares? I mean, <laughs> right? Whether she did or whether she didn't, might just care. for everyone listening, hell yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's yes, it's been a long time coming for her. Oh yeah, but, but I'm Tyrion, to but see. Tyrion, say say that they have imprisoned Tyrion and and Sansa gets away, they'll just blame Tyrion more. Like Tyrion will stick up for her. He'll claim that he did it uh, on her orders or something like that, just to save Sansa. He'll like if they start coming down real hard on Sansa, he'll say it was him. And then that'll allow her to her escape to proceed. I feel like I I should be more worried that Tyrion is 
the culprit in a lot of people's minds for this happening. They they say that he murdered the king, but I see the people in charge, and there's dad, it's his brother, it's his sister. It's just I feel like it, he's too involved to be a real threat, and maybe it was clearly Cersei in that moment being angry and wanting someone to blame, and hey, look, there's him, and he was also getting made fun of by Joffrey that whole time before it. So I'm not worried for Tyrion, and I don't know if that's well, wrong. Well, they need somebody to blame, and, and it seems like of all the Lannisters that they would spare, like to to kind of they they've always looked for excuses to play Tyrion down and to put him in a in a bad space you know bad place and he's already called the imp and the demon monkey and all those funny other names um but really like the other thing is that in the one of the uh, season four uh previews we saw him in chains it almost ruins like <laughs> talking about this because we've seen him I guess handcuffed walking down uh one of the I don't know if it was a throne room or an aisle somewhere at a castle in in handcuffs right. and let's face it he's he's in and out of confinement he's uh, suspect number one right now and yep. whether that's fair or not is is a completely different story but i think we've also seen scenes with cersei testifying and we've seen scenes with Tyrion responding to his dad uh who's been sitting up on the throne so yep. uh, it's it's really going to be fun to watch this all play itself out because it's it, it's going to lead to a much larger storyline. And I think that Tyrion, you know, Zach, we always like to feel safe for Tyrion because we know that he's George R. R. Martin's favorite character, but Tyrion seems to have a way of kind of shooting himself in the foot a lot of the time. And I think that – I can't remember if I was reading an interview – I want to say it was the uh, the Alex Graves interview, maybe um, that that he did after the episode, and you know he just talks about how Tyrion, as a character, sets himself up for a lot of these situations because if he hadn't have acted the the way that he did for so long towards yeah. his nephew, right, he probably wouldn't have been the first person that would have been suspected of killing him. It's a lot of pride on Tyrion's part to respond that way publicly in front of everyone at the royal wedding of the person that is getting married, who happens to be the royal from that royal wedding. Like the song. I just thought of it this way. Uh, both Tyrion and his brother would be Kingslayers then. That is true. Well, I guess we can, true. we can say, sort of concluding this thought particularly, that the people making the show did a meticulously great job and the mystery is real. I mean, I think that they even did a good job for the people that have read the books to maybe have a little bit of question on whether or not how things are going on. I want to ask, I want to ask Micah, Micah, do you think that this mystery is bigger than the John Aaron mystery? Is it bigger than what happened to John Aaron? Well, I think they all set in motion different events so, you know, John Aaron's death really was the catalyst for a lot of what happened in A Game of Thrones and continues to happen, right? I think that Joffrey's death is a catalyst now for a lot of events that take place in a, the rest of A Storm of Swords and, and moving on into the next couple of books. So I think they all have their purpose and... You know, it's it's been really interesting to read a lot of the thoughts uh, that have come out. Uh, you know, George R. R. Martin did an interview, Benny Weiss did an interview, Jack Gleason did an interview after the Purple Wedding. They all talked about this and just how George felt that the Red Wedding was such a sucker punch to readers that the wedding for Joffrey 
and Marjorie and, and what happened to him was kind of in a small level of appeasement. You know, readers were able to be happy for a little bit because it wasn't always the Starks or the good guys that were suffering. And what's happened here in, in this wedding will affect multiple storylines because we've seen, you know, the number of people, the just the sheer number of characters that were there. So there's going to be a, a huge falling action from this event. And I think it'll also impact other characters, right? We saw, you know, obviously this is going to impact Stannis and his quest in some way. You know, you, you mentioned though that, uh, I mean, they're talking about appeasing the fans. And I wanted to add, uh, I wanted to mention some of the, the posts that we got over on our Facebook wall real quick. Uh, we received uh, two of them I want to mention here. Um, and it was just the night that the, the wedding, uh, episode aired and we got a post from Marjolaine S. Mooney, who said, uh, actually shared an image with us that said the special cake we made to watch the last <laughs> episode of Game of Thrones. And it's a chocolate cake. cake. It looks, it looks, uh, quite good. And I guess it, rather than icing, I think it's just carved into it are the words best wedding ever. And it. <laughs> It has a, a small sort of stick figure with a crown and X's for eyes, best wedding ever cake. So if you baked a cake, those who knew that this was coming. Um, <laughs> and who wouldn't bake a cake? I mean, let's or face pie. it. No, well, or a pie, yeah. With birds, pigeon I, pie. Dead one. Pigeon <laughs> pie. <laughs> um, and, and of course, we actually had uh, another post too, and this one is from uh, Marlene Montooth, um, who said, uh, this is... Uh, the beverage of choice for the evening in honor of the Red Viper. And somehow uh, Marlene has come across Dornish Red Sweet Summer Wine. Is it real? I wonder. It, it looks real. Dornish Red. Dornish. Dorn. Dorn. I, I wonder if that's not a real place or if it's made up. But uh, It's made up, I think. Yeah. Like exclusively <laughs> made up. Like not really just anywhere in Italy at all. Yeah, she printed the label and slapped it on the wine bottle. It looks like a saying? good, like, well-printed label. Yeah, I'd yeah. pick that up if I were in the store. All right. Um, well, but nice, nice to hear that people got really festive with it. Yeah, I was, yeah. was going to say, like, I'm always impressed by the level of commitment um, by fans of the series just to see all the kind of cool and unique things that they do. You know, speaking of the listeners and their feedback, I know that we asked earlier this evening – who the top three suspects on their list were on Twitter, twitter.com slash Game of Owns, right, Eric? That's right. That is right. And I just have to say, I really loved the response we got from Ukin, who said her top three suspects, mm -hmm. Louis, Skull, <laughs> Tenenbaum. <laughs> so that was very creative. Um, I didn't have any... <sighs> That's too easy. That's nice. Yes. So uh, <laughs> I just thought it was good. I thought it was creative. What do you want from me? Anyway, uh, we do have okay, a bunch more here. Something here. Let's go through the list here, courtesy of Scott Vinicombe at Great Scotty V. I like He's that great. better. Great Scotty V. He says, kind of a spoiler, just asking. No, question mark. No, it's not a spoiler, just asking. We said keep it unsullied. He goes with Marjorie's mom, Sansa, and Prince Oberyn. Ooh. Jessica doesn't adhere to our rules of the question. She just says the Lady of Thorns. Maybe she's all three suspects. Uh, Francis Turpening at Francis underscore Turp gets a little funny as well. He says, it was Strong Bellwas, mm -hmm. Vargo Hote, and Bowen Marsh. <laughs> oh, what a crew Characters that would be. not 
<laughs> to appear on screen, so he's having a little bit of book fun there. Oh, <laughs> book Imagine fun. if they were the ones in the cage that Arya Imagine. was messing with. Yes. Oh. Uh, at Smiley Man Comics says, it was Hodor in the dining room with the <laughs> candlestick. There Good you call. go. I think we're on to something uh, here. At Brycey underscore Stevens says, the Queen of Thorns. Ooh. And I think um, Francis continues to have fun here. Um, he agrees Cersei always had motives. So uh, a vote there for Cersei. Uh, plus it's just like Cersei to, to like commit a murder. And then blame the imp <laughs> to further discredit him. Like Christina Bailey on Twitter says that Jester, Oberon, and Cersei. That contortionist was in on it. She was the distraction. So, uh, at what the <laughs> she grace distracted Oberon on Twitter. What the uh, grace? She says Olena, the jewel she picked off of Sansa's necklace. Curious. Hmm. Have to go back and watch that again. Uh, hmm. Cersei wants to be queen regent forever. Yeah, and she does. somebody we didn't talk anything about, Stannis. The leeches are working. Not just the leeches, but they burned his brother-in-law uh, in this episode, this very, very episode. So he's going to start thinking that that magic is working again. Well, if we're going to blame Stannis, then can I at least throw Walder Frey, like throw his hat to the <laughs> ring? Because it's a wedding, I'm just saying. Like, if the we're going to yeah, go that far. That is a It's a good theory, point. right? I mean. <laughs> I like it. I like um, it. It would be crazy if he was just the most badass of, of, of book three, of all of book three. He knows all the passageways, dude. He does. <laughs> uh, at AD 22, uh, Andrew says, Mace Terrell, Ser Dantos, and Cersei. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we got to vote for Mace in there. Yeah. Uh, at K26DP at says, Cersei, number one, didn't want to give up power. Two, demonstrated prior willingness to poison a child. Three, sent Maester away. So there you go. A lot of Oz's arguments there from K26. Very nice. Very nice. And you know, the thing about them coming together again, too, like, there's only common. We know that Marcella will never be king. Uh, so if they didn't, if they failed to protect Joffrey... They really need to protect Tommen. Otherwise, the Lannisters are no longer on the throne. Sandsnake right. on Twitter thinks that Joffrey did it to himself just to be an extra jerk to Tyrion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It is possible. You never know. <laughs> well, directly related to Sandsnake's tweet, we've got one from Confluence of Chains that says, number one, Tyrion. Number two, Tyrion. Number three, Tyrion. Hashtag, put the imp in chains. No. And then from Casey Rom. She says, Sir Dantos, Oberyn Martell, and Olena slash Marjorie Terrell. So uh, interesting uh, thoughts there from Casey. And then Timothy Mulligan, Mace Terrell, Queen of Thorns, Tywin Lannister. What? Tywin no. is a new one. No. I think Tywin and Mace did it, actually. <laughs> you seem unconvinced, Eric. To round out some of these theories, I thought I would take it to email here. I know that we're going to have more time to focus on some of this because I'm sure that on our episode following Sunday nights, it's probably going to be full of a lot of theories on what happens because it's the episode that follows it, right? I mean, it's right, right after. The characters are wondering what happened as much as we are. Yeah, so we'll have more to talk about then. But I wanted to close it definitively with an email from a Mr. Adam Epperson here from Minneapolis. He says, hi, guys. I just heard about you from an email mentioned on the Unspoiled Song of Ice and Fire podcast, so I thought I'd check you guys out. 
Thank you for checking us out. How did we look? I've read the books and I've listened to the Unspoiled podcast where they've also finished reading the books. He goes on to say, I've watched the episode twice and then I went back and watched the wine scenes again for a third time. So someone's sleuthing. The only people who are around the goblet are Joffrey, Marjorie, Cersei, Tywin, Tyrion, Sansa, and Lady Olenna, and her oaf son, Lord of Highgarden. Tywin and Lord of Highgarden weren't really that close to the goblet and never did it. So your suspects are Marjorie, Sansa, Tyrion, Cersei, and Lady Olenna. There's obvious answers for a couple of these, but I won't give spoilers. Between the last safe drink that Joffrey makes and the drink that causes him to choke and die, the goblet was sitting at Lady Olenna's table. The episode doesn't show or move towards the goblet at all, however. He says, I know the answer, so I'll let you do the math there on your own. Just wanted to give you guys a quick synopsis of the event. Yeah, I, I think that it's great detective work, and certainly we'll all go back and I'm sure watch the episode. So, yeah, great email there from uh, Minneapolis. Yeah, thank you so much for the email, Adam. Well, I just know, as you said, Zach, that we're going to continue to get a lot of different theories in over the course of the next couple of days, and I'm sure with – a lot of this playing itself out in the next episode. People are going to have more to say, and there's a number of different ways that people can reach us. And I think we've touched on all of them uh, in touched in order: Facebook, Twitter, and email. Facebook and Twitter are pretty easy; just Game of Owns us. And uh, <laughs> email even easier: contact at gameofowns.com. It's pretty easy. How do you like that? Game of yeah. Owns us. Yeah, it's it a good pretty well, right? And uh, one other way that you can interact with the show is on iTunes. Yeah, please Game of Owns us on iTunes, people. Yeah, that's what we're just going to – we've made it into a verb now. Yeah. There no. <laughs> please own us on iTunes. Just go purchase us. We're free. Yeah, uh, we did get um, just that from our good friend Tinkerbell. I, didn't, I wasn't aware that she uh, was an iTunes subscriber, but apparently she is. Uh, oh, is the review that chingle that she makes when she – Yes, <laughs> it is. Spring, uh, of fairy dust. This is though um, Tinkerbell's seventy three thirty seven. Oh, that one. That uh, one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, she says you guys are funny. Great reviews. None of my friends watch, so it's nice to hear your breakdown oh. of the episode. So uh, yeah, that's review. that's really nice to hear. Yeah, um, we do enjoy being that uh, companion. It's you true. Know, uh, sometimes it's hard for nerds out there. Um, we, we also got uh, tell a, us, <laughs> a review from uh, what? No, I'm just saying. Give we us do, Sadie's we, we, review. Sadie. Uh, she says, uh, this podcast is what I wait for after every Game of Thrones episode. I love hearing the breakout of every episode and then listening to the hosts and their opinions. It's the best one out there, in my opinion. We just got another tweet in from someone who said that it's Zach, Eric, and Micah are the threats. <laughs> what is the deal here, Carolyn Gracie? I just don't understand. Like, well, I'm, I'm glad nobody is like cutting me out of the equation because I used to say that Joffrey was kind of cool. You're no, I've definitely not. You're out of the equation. You're you're yeah. you and Joffrey are buds, yeah. man. I totally hate that. So man. these uh, these next two reviews very quickly um, actually are related to the Purple Wedding, and one even has an own in them. So I'm impressed that this has made its way over to iTunes. Normally they don't have owns. So Wow, uh, okay. The first one is from nice Ebert. Um, God rest his soul. Uh, 311, right? Ebert it's a different has passed one. away. A different, different one, okay. Yeah. Uh, they title it Red Purple. This is great in any color. Uh, I was waiting for a certain <laughs> event to finally write my review of this podcast, and it came to pass. I can't express how awesome it is to have four hosts and guests turn a one-hour show into an audio event for, uh, throughout the week. The on-season during the summer and fall was an excellent idea to keep fans engaged until the show returned. 
Yeah. Thank you all for blessing my experience with the show and books. Thank you. One out of one listeners found this review helpful. Oh, there you go. <laughs> nice. And then finally, <laughs> it's actually the title of this review, uh, which was written by Lady Arya Stark. Um, Ooh, so thank, thank you, you, Arya. Arya. Uh, she says, I just got caught up with the podcast right before the season started and am sullied when it comes to the books. Yeah. Joffrey gets my own of the episode for dying. <laughs> okay. Good call. Looks like Marjorie won't be the queen or sorry, the queen mm-hmm. now. Also, Cersei gets an honorary own to Oberyn, the queen regent. She remains. Indeed. So if you'd like to uh, send us a review, you can head on over to iTunes Nothing less than five stars is acceptable in the month of April. If you try otherwise, your computer just shuts down, and then you can't do anything in this life because you need at least a computer to do most things in life at this day and age. So, guys, I think that about does it for this episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how much more excited can we be for the next one? I think that we've 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 gone over all of these things in our mind, and we just want to know what happens. I think here's the thing: we we have to go in with an open mind because the reality is. I can't imagine. I would be very blown away. But just the high that this episode has put so many people on, episode three, it might be a little rough for some people. I'm just saying. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I'm I'm thinking it, it's it's just it's not going to have that same level. You know, unlike the Red Wedding where we knew who done it right away because it was very clear because he was sitting at the high table. <laughs> uh, I don't think that we're going to get the definitive answer for some time. And I hope it's not sort of a multi-book, multi-seasonal kind of mystery the way uh, that George can sometimes do, but I really don't expect to get the answer um, this this next episode. Okay, so show of hands, or Mm -hmm. say it, because that's just what we do here. (laughs) I'll do both. You'll do both. Okay. Mm-hmm. So as we head into uh, episode three, where we'll hopefully get some more insight into who's responsible for this, I will not cast a vote. I want to know from the both of you, who is your top sp- suspect heading into the next episode? <sighs> I did not think you were going to do this. Oh, man. Eric, please go first. <laughs> I'm going to say Lady Elena. I think I'm just going to go with her, too. Eric, your your guess sounds good to me. I haven't seen enough evidence to draw a conclusion. Not yet. So I will recuse myself, and I will not cast a vote here. Lest the wrath of people on winnerscoming.net. This has been Game of Owens. Hopefully we've served as your distraction throughout the week. We're going to continue to murder people of note and join you this Sunday evening for next episode. How excited are we, guys? I'm ready, man. I would record the episode right now if I could, but I haven't seen the show, so it'd be kind of weird. But have a great weekend, everybody. Hopefully you're not going to any weddings. <laughs> that was Micah Tannenbaum. That was Zach Louie. And that was the Eric Skull. Now we just wait patiently for another few days to pass. Oh, I thought you were going to say we're waiting patiently for the damn music to start. Oh, Strings, no, that, please. Is, yeah. Isn't it so annoying? I mean, the guy, he, he basically dictates how long our episodes are because yeah. it's whenever he, he gets back from his break from starting the show. I really wouldn't then... <laughs> pick a fight with the string player. Just saying. <laughs> You know what happened at the last wedding. Yeah, no, I know, but I'm just saying. (laughs)